Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Tuesday, the 28th of November, 2023, the 15th of Kislev, 5784. Coming to you this morning from Gush Etzion, Judea, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Hope you are well, hope you are safe, and you're part of the world. Here in Israel, we are in the midst of a ceasefire between Israel and the Hamas terror organization as a trickle of the Israeli captives have been released now over the past four days. A total of 50 Israeli women and children released by Hamas. And it looks like the ceasefire is going to extend for at least another two days now with Hamas saying that they are going to release, I believe, 10 more Israeli captives today and then, and then another 10 tomorrow. And again, this could go on for at least 10 days. Again, today is day number five, so there is potential for 10 days, but at least for now, there is a ceasefire for another two days. And I'm going to talk about the news here, but what I really want to focus on is I don't know if I would call this period a ceasefire, so to speak. I, I think this is more of a period of psychological warfare and psychological terrorism being waged by Hamas against Israel. And I'm extremely nervous. I'm extremely scared in terms of the overall war effort. Don't get me wrong. Of course, it is great to see Israeli women and children and foreign workers, by the way, back home in Israel after 40-plus days living in who knows what type of conditions underground with the brutal and murderous Hamas terrorists guarding them night and day with little food, with little access to medical care and all of that. But this is a period of psychological terrorism waged by Hamas, and that includes the images of the hostages. They're trying to <clears throat> spread as many images as possible of those they held captive to create the perception that it really wasn't so bad for the Israeli women and children being held against their will in Gaza. And they're using every trick in the book, even to the very last second. <clears throat> Excuse me, perhaps by now you saw at least on the first day, and I think yesterday as well, some of those being released, the women and children who were waving goodbye to the Hamas terrorists who were holding their rifles and had their faces covered and whatnot. And that is psychological terrorism, that is propaganda. You could hear in the background the Hamas members instructing those who were about to be released to wave as if they were saying goodbye after a month-long summer camp experience in Gaza. This was not the women and children expressing their true feelings. This was Hamas manipulating till the very last second until the people, women and children were released to the, the Red Cross there, who, by the way, still curious what their mandate is after 40-plus days not even visiting the hostages or demanding, not even demanding to visit the hostages once if this was any other situation in the world. 
And again, I don't know another situation where brutal, evil people kidnap children. But if it were, the International Red Cross would have been all over it in terms of demanding to visit, at least visit, those being held against their will. And they didn't do that. And now they're the, they, they're, they're the heroes in this whole thing, right? The Red Cross, who basically acted as a shuttle service, an Uber service, if you will, transporting those being let go from Hamas to Egypt. And then Israel picked up, the Israeli army picked up the uh, people being held in Egypt and brought them home to Israel. So shame on the International Red Cross for doing nothing for the hostages. And again, back to the psychological terrorism, where you actually hear in the video, you hear Hamas telling these children to wave and say goodbye. And just as repulsive are those people on Twitter who hate Israel, who hate the Jews, and in their tweets claiming, saying things like, look Look at the children being released, how grateful they are for how they were treated by Hamas, waving goodbye. And comparing that, on the other hand, to the terrorist Arabs being held in Israeli jails who were also freed under the agreement, and how they were let go, and how they didn't wave to the Israelis as they were let go, as if, <laughs> as if the Hamas really treated these people well. But those sickos on Twitter making the, or contrasting rather, saying, look at the Israeli children, they were treated so well, they're, they're being let go and they're saying goodbye to their captors. But on the other hand, and by the way, they refer to the, those Arabs not as terrorists, they refer to them as hostages as well. Look at the Arab terrorists who are being let go by Israel, they're not waving goodbye. So obviously, the conditions of those terrorists were much worse. Obviously, Israel was much more brutal to them than Hamas was to these women and children. And that's the point people are trying to make on Twitter. It's a crazy world, folks. It's crazy. And I know the whole world isn't against Israel, but it surely feels like a lot of the world is against Israel. And if that's not the case, then those who are against Israel are certainly the most vocal on social media, supporting, openly supporting Hamas, downplaying or denying what happened on October 7th. No, there wasn't, uh, there weren't babies being burned. It's a lie. There wasn't rape. There wasn't mutilation. There wasn't barbarism. A few people were killed here and there, and that's it. And of course, Israel deserves it, right? In the minds of these sickos, because of what they call the uh, the occupation, which absolutely isn't true. But people justifying hate, justifying support for Hamas, and across the world you're seeing the protests in capitals and cities across the world, pro-Hamas rallies, the destruction of property, the tearing down of the posters, all... It all goes back to the psychological terrorism. There was one uh, incident yesterday where Hamas forced, I think it was a mother and daughter, to write a letter, <laughs> to write a letter to Hamas. And if people believe that this is, these are the sincere words of those being held at gunpoint, then they're absolutely moronic. But most likely they realize that Hamas forced these 
captives to write these letters, and yet they still say, look how wonderful the situation was for these people. They're writing letters to their captors to say goodbye and how much they'll miss them. People, most people realize those letters are fake, and those being held were forced to write the letters, yet they use those as a tactic to make Israel look bad. Each and every move, though, each and every move by Hamas, they are trying to get into our heads. They are trying to force more ceasefires. They're trying to extend the quiet there in Gaza so that they can rearm, resupply, get more rockets ready for whenever the war starts again. And I, and, and I pray to God that our leaders, I mean, they've been talking a big game over the last several days during the ceasefire, that this is just temporary and we are going to go back to smashing Hamas. It's just a matter of time. I pray that that happens very, very soon. Hamas must be wiped out. That was the number one goal of the war. Number one, yes, bringing back those taken, the captives, captives is another goal of the war, but the primary goal is to destroy Hamas. And my prayer, my prayer, despite all the psychological mind games and showing images of these young people being brought back here, trying to elicit the emotions. Of course, I'm happy they're home, but try to elicit the emotions of the Israeli people, trying to get Israel to cut more and more deals to extend the ceasefire for more and more days. I mean, that is their goal. We have to stay strong. We have to stay strong and see this thing out through the end. Hamas must be destroyed, bottom line. So if somehow anyone out there with influence is listening to, my, listening to my words, please, please encourage our leaders here in the state of Israel to go all the way this time. And wipe this evil off the face of the earth for the sake of not only Israel, but for the sake of humanity, for the sake of the Western world. For the sake of people everywhere. Because it doesn't stop here. We are the canary in the coal mine. It's been like that for thousands of years. And will continue to be that canary in the coal mine. But we can do something about it. We can make the world a better place by ridding it of, of this evil. And it has to happen. We cannot be sidetracked by the psychological terrorism being implemented against us. So that's what's on my mind right now. And then I'll, I'll get to the actual news just to update you on the situation here Tuesday morning, the 28th of November. <clears throat> so JNS reports that following an hours-long delay, Hamas released 11 Israelis being held in Gaza on Monday night, the fourth day of a truce between Jerusalem and the Arab terror organization. Under the four-day ceasefire that began on Friday morning, Hamas has now freed a total of 50 Israeli women and children. An extra hostage, and I'll talk about this in a second, an extra Israeli hostage was freed on Sunday, a man with dual Russian-Israeli uh, citizenship. This was a gesture, a request by Russian President Vladimir Putin. <clears throat> it shows you what type of sway he has with Hamas to make a phone call and say, please release this individual with dual citizenship 
At the same time, 19 foreign nationals, uh, mostly from Thailand, were released as well. Um, in addition to pausing its, this is JNS News, by the way, in addition to pausing its military activities, Israel has agreed to free 150 jailed terrorists and allow hundreds of trucks of goods into the enclave, including fuel. Personally, of course, I'd like to, I'd like to see all Israelis brought home, but the question will remain at what price? Where is this fuel going? What will be with these terrorists being let back out onto the streets, not onto the streets of Gaza? They were let back into Judea, Samaria, and, and into Jerusalem. So they are now roaming free. And we'll talk about one of those terrorists here in just a few minutes. But I mentioned the Israeli-Russian. His name was Roni Krivoy, who was released on Sunday. And according to what I've learned about him, it could be Kriboy or Krivoy. He was kidnapped from Kibbutz Re'em, where he was, where he worked, held, um, held by Hamas. And after an IDF attack in the area of the building where he was being held, he managed to escape. He escaped Hamas in Gaza for four days. For four days, he was trying to get back to Israel on his own, which is pretty remarkable within itself. But what happened? After four days, the so-called civilians, and I use that term extremely loosely, civilians, residents of Gaza, captured him, and handed him back over to Hamas, right? Those poor, innocent civilians of Gaza, which the President of the United States is so concerned for, and Anthony Blinken so concerned for, the civilians of Gaza, they could have saved this guy's life and handed him over to Israel or directed him towards the border or done, so or done something to help this man. And instead they turned him over to Hamas and took a phone call from Vladimir Putin himself to free this Israeli-Russian um, gentleman. So, so much for civilians. Okay, everyone always talks about how Israel is the most moral army in the world. And I, I agree with that. But at what point does it become immoral in terms of the civilians, so so to speak, if you want to even call them that. What other military conflict in history did one side take into account the civilians on the other side or the death toll on the other side? And of course, World War II is the prime example. Did anybody, did the Allies take into account the German so-called civilians who supported the Nazi party and put them in power during the war? And the answer is no, not at Dresden, not at any other place. Did the allies start pumping in fuel to assist the so-called civilians of the enemy? So at what point does our morality actually become immoral? And we know the fuel is being used by Hamas, being stolen by Hamas, being used for more and more, the manufacturing of more and more rockets. Is that moral? And I'm not blaming, God forbid, 
our brave soldiers who are literally, yesterday was a pouring day here in Israel, or literally are, are sitting in the mud and waiting for the green light to go after Hamas once again. I'm not blaming them. I'm talking about the political leadership who's making the decisions in terms of what we can do and what we can't do when it comes to the situation in Gaza. They're the ones, the heads of the IDF, the military brass, and the political leaders. They're the ones calling the shots, and they're the ones who have to do what's right and have to value the lives of our soldiers more than the so-called civilians over there in Gaza. That, to me, is morality. And I don't know, no, I don't know if we're there, sadly. I try to be optimistic. If you look at my social media, I'm trying to share all the positives and all the human interest stories and the amazing things our IDF soldiers are doing in Gaza. But I question our leadership, political leadership, and perhaps even military leadership in terms of what is going on in the, situ in the situation right now. For over a month here in Gush Etzion, I heard the planes each and every night headed down to headed down to Aza, headed, headed down to Gaza, and it's been silent over the last several nights. And I miss the sounds of those planes, the Jewish planes up ahead, no up up above, knowing that we're being protected, that we're going to wipe out this evil, and we have to get back there. We must get back there. Anyway, as I mentioned, Israel Hamas, reported here by JNS, agreeing to extend the ceasefire by two days. U.S. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said last night, Monday evening, humanitarian pause in Gaza now in its fourth day will be extended for another two days through Thursday morning Israel time. In order to extend the pause, Hamas has committed to releasing another 20 women and children. So that's the situation right now. We talked before about the Arab terrorists who were freed. And again, these are people who tried to murder Israelis. They do have blood on their hands. And the, the reason that they made the cut on this list is because they weren't successful and murdering Israelis. They tried and failed or injured Israelis, but didn't actually murder them. Okay, so those who murdered Israelis were not part of the agreement. But if you have, and, you, and I've seen videos, if you have uh, women here or uh, Arab teens, 16, 17 years old, who try to stab or murder soldiers, and there's video evidence, evidence proving it, and didn't succeed, they were bad terrorists, so to speak, or the Israeli, or the policeman, or what have you, fought back and did not allow, allow himself to be, to be murdered. These people were, in fact, released. So one of the terrorists released, according to uh, JNS News, um, from a report by the Israeli police, uh, her name is Rhoda Abu Agamia, terrorist from Judea, who was in jail as a uh, member of the PFLP terror organization. She was released from prison, and now the police have opened an investigation into her already. You're talking about a day or two after being released for, uh, for incitement. All right. She was seen on video urging Arabs in the PA to support Hamas and spewed all of this other pro-Hamas 
um, all these pro-Hamas sentiments. So an investigation now has been open, and will she be rearrested? Uh, I don't know. There is a police complaint against her. She was free to one of the neighborhoods near Beit Lechem, Bethlehem, here in Judea. And um, uh, MK, member of Knesset Tzvi Sukkot from the Religious Zionism Party, he's the lawmaker who's trying to trying to have her rearrested because of her incitement. He said, whoever incites terror must be in prison. And let's see if that actually happens. Moving on here, Prime Minister Netanyahu visited IDF troops inside Gaza on Sunday. Netanyahu held a situational assessment, spoke with commanders and troops, and visited a tunnel previously used by the Hamas terror organization. And uh, this was his first entry into Gaza since the beginning of the war on October 7th. He said, we have three goals for this war, eliminate Hamas, return all our hostages, and ensure that Gaza does not become a threat to the state of Israel again. So let's remember, let's remember this moment. This isn't the first time he said it, but let's remember what he said are the goals. Eliminate Hamas, number one, return the hostages and make sure that there's no longer a threat on Israel's southwestern uh, border there with, with Gaza. He said we will continue, Netanyahu said we will continue until the end, until victory. Nothing will stop us, and we are convinced that we have the power, the strength, the will, and the determination to achieve all the war goals. Let's remember this moment. It's the 28th of November. We're in in the midst of a so-called ceasefire. Let's see where things are in 48 hours from now. Let's see what happens when Hamas comes to the table in another two days, because they want to refuel, resupply, reorganize. Let's see what happens this Thursday morning at 7 a.m. when the latest ceasefire expires. Let's see if they try to go for another two days, another four days. And let's see what the Israeli response is. Let's see what we do. As Prime, the Prime Minister himself said, the goal is to continue until the end, until victory. Not just the goal, but he essentially ensured it. We will continue until the end, until victory. Let's see what happens. While we're focused on Hamas, our so-called peace partners, and the Palestinian Authority, they continue to side with Hamas and praise them. And as this is all happening, it's pretty unbelievable. You have the President of the United States, Joe Biden, calling now, in the midst of the war, somehow, he has focused on a so-called two-state solution. That is the end game, according to the President of the United States. And, and the mainstream media is going along with it as well, shifting the focus away from Gaza, away from Gaza, and on to Judea and Samaria, of course, accusing Jews of beating up Arabs and the so-called settlers, settler violence. That's what they're focused on, even though uh, reports of these such things have de decreased tremendously. Nevertheless, that is a major focus of the U.S. administration, even though Israel's fighting against an evil, brutal terror organization in Gaza. Somehow it all goes back to Israel and its policies in Judea and Samaria and building pergolas 
which is the most natural thing for Israel to do, for Jews to live in Judea and Samaria. But the obsession continues, even, even as we're fighting this war against Hamas. So PA, Secretary of, he's the Secretary of Fatah Central Committee, Jabril Rajub, he praised, according to the Jerusalem Post, he praised Hamas's October 7th massacre during a press conference in Kuwait earlier this, earlier this month reported by a local uh, Arab newspaper. Rajub called the attack an earthquake, an unprecedented event, portraying it as a defensive action against Israeli aggression. Burning babies alive, that's a defensive action against Israeli aggression. He said Hamas's attack, part of a defensive war full of epics and heroics that the Palestinian people, his words, not mine, have been fighting for 75 years, thwarted a plan by the Israeli right to integrate the country into the larger Middle East without the Palestinian issue on the agenda. So he's basically saying that it was justified because Israel was getting ready to normalize relations with Saudi Arabia, perhaps. He didn't refer to them by name. But for that reason, Hamas had the right to brutally murder and rape and burn people alive down in southern Israel. So according to our peace partners, this was an epic and heroic event, October the 7th. And these are the people that the Biden Biden administration wants us to sit down with wants us to give them a state. They have learned nothing from the past. If Israel had a presence in Aza, if we did not pull out in 2005, October 7th, 2023, would never would have happened. We'd have Israeli forces on the ground, Israeli communities on the ground. We would have been much better protected. They never would have been able to pull this off with a constant Israeli military presence in Gaza, with the ability and the intelligence to see what's going on there with boots on the ground. It never would have happened, folks. But back to what our peace partner here is saying, and the U.S. is falling for it. Um, Number one, in his view, Hamas is uh, heroic. And number two, based on the president's comments, we should give these people a state. That's what they deserve. As a result of what happened, what Hamas did, the best way to security somehow is to turn over the keys and hand the Palestinian Authority a state. Makes absolutely no sense. It's the definition of insanity. Trying the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But that's where the Biden administration is right now. I also would like to, I wish I was was able to get clarification from our government in terms of fighting Hamas outside the borders of Israel and and Aza and Gaza, several days ago, it was reported that Prime Minister Netanyahu instructed the Mossad, our intelligence services overseas, to go after Hamas wherever they are. Anywhere in the world, go after Hamas. Okay? That's That's what he said several days ago. However, the Jerusalem Post reported just yesterday that Prime Minister Netanyahu pledged to Qatar, that Israel would not act against the leaders of Hamas living in that country. So which one is it? Is Israel going after leaders of Hamas wherever they are in the world? Or, according to what Netanyahu said yesterday, 
or the day before yesterday, making a pledge to Qatar that we are not going after Hamas in that country. Which one is it? This upsets me very, very much because I don't know where we stand. I don't know which part is true. Is it the Netanyahu saying we are going after them? Or is it the Netanyahu saying, well, we're not going to go after them in Qatar, even though apparently that is where a lot of the uh, leaders of Hamas who are outside of Gaza are living as billionaires, staying at the Four Seasons and uh, enjoying enjoying life to its fullest there with uh, maid service and spa and all the other things that come with a five-star hotel. Which one is it, Mr. Prime Minister? I would like to know. Obviously, my thought is, and my opinion is, we should go after Hamas everywhere in the world. That's what Israel does, defends Jews from evil, wherever evil exists. I'd like to know where we stand with that. And I'd also, of course, like to know where this war is heading. And if we're still we're still committed to what the Prime Minister just said yesterday, to wiping Hamas off the face of the earth, and I'm paraphrasing there. Anyway, um, as all this is going on, of course, anti-Semitism running wild around the world. A report here from a high school in uh, Queens. Apparently, the students found out one of their teachers was at a pro-Israel rally, and they went after her. They went after her, and this teacher, I guess, had to lock herself in a classroom for hours until the police arrived. The kids were in the hallways chanting, jumping, shouting, waving Palestinian so-called flags and banners and going crazy when they found out their teacher, what was her crime? She attended a pro-Israel rally. And this is in New York, folks, right? Where all Jews are welcome, all people are welcome. Not if you support Israel. So just a, a crazy scene there in this in this school where these students decided that they were going to, who knows what they would have done to her if they would have caught her, if they would have lynched the teacher, who knows what would have happened. But according to a New York city councilman, um, they are, this is actually, a, a an issue of, uh, counter terrorism. All right. The students also found out where the teacher lived, her address, her phone number, who knows what they, what they would have done with her. Um, but this is being dealt with on the highest levels of the NYPD and counterterrorism because of the threats posed by these students against her te against their teacher because she supported Israel. That's the weekly anti-Semitism report. And I think that's going to do it for today's show. Let's pray for our IDF soldiers who are in the mud down there after a day, a full day of pouring rain in Aza, waiting for the instruction to continue destroying, wiping Hamas out, wiping Hamas off the face of the earth. They're down there waiting. Let's pray for our soldiers. Let's pray for those being held captive. Let's pray for all of Israel during these extremely difficult times. Um, it's a different world out there since October the 7th, certainly. And uh, let's only hope for the best and pray for the best for all the people of Israel and for Jews around the world who are going through very difficult times as well. My name is Josh Haston. This is Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com for the 28th of November, 2023. 
15th of Kislev, 5784. Hanukkah, folks. Hanukkah, right around the corner next Thursday night. It'll be interesting, probably difficult to celebrate. You're supposed to celebrate the miracle, which is Hanukkah, the few fighting against the many. And it's so relevant today. And we have to celebrate. We can't forget about our past and the victories we've had before. And please, God, will have a victory again here very, very soon. Uh, thanks to Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire. Get in touch with me during the week. Josh at thelandofisrael.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can find me on all those platforms. Everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Shalom, shalom from Gush Etzion, Judea, the hills of Judea, just south of Jerusalem, eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everyone.